there. I hope you've had a great week. You're listening to Faith to Live By, and I'm your host, Pam Christian, for about the next 30 minutes or so. You know, I love getting to explore matters of Christian faith with you. My goal is to help people discover and live in life-giving truth. And since I'm both an apologist and a charismatic, I seek to help us all live with a balance between rational thought and spiritual realities. Today's program is part two of exploring the evidence of the Christian faith. But before we get into the topic, I want to remind you of my special Christmas giveaways that I'll be awarding on December 23rd, 2020. There will be two recipients of my newly revised third edition, Examine Your Faith, Finding Truth in a World of Lies, which was the first book in my Faith to Live By series, and five grand prize winners of the beautiful new Abide Bible by Thomas Nelson. If you want to participate in our special giveaway, listen to the end of this program to learn how. Now, back to today's podcast. As an apologist, I seek to help people discover reasons to personally embrace the Christian faith. I want to work to help people understand why the Christian faith makes the most sense and is the most compelling of all religious faiths. Unlike the gods of virtually all other religions, the Christian God does not accept people based upon a preponderance of good deeds done in their lifetime. This is one eye-opening distinction when comparing the Christian faith to all others. However, as you've heard me say, if you've listened before, the Christian faith in America has been diminishing over recent decades. Many people claim all religions lead to the same God in heaven. Many people claim truth is relative. Others believe that they can pick and choose the aspects of various religions and create a faith of their own preference. There are other people who believe all religions are equally valid. These are just some of the reasons people give to not seriously consider the Christian faith. Another reason is specific to what people believe about Jesus. Years ago, I was booked to be the weekend-long retreat speaker for a group of women. I arrived early to meet and greet the women as they arrived, as I normally do. The room was a buzz with chatter and excitement, and from behind me, a tall, commanding woman approached me, speaking in a loud voice, clearly intended for me, saying, quote, I just can't believe in a God who will send people to hell just because they don't believe Jesus was anything other than a good teacher. End quote. Well, as you can imagine, the whole room came to a deafening quiet, and every pair of eyes were looking at me, waiting for my response. And you can also bet I quickly prayed. Then I found myself asking her, Well, Are you searching to find the truth, or do you think you've already discovered it? The woman's mouth dropped open. Her face adapted a puzzled look. Then the women in the room resumed their lively chatter, and I praised the Lord because if I hadn't provided a satisfactory answer at that moment in time, it was going to be a very long weekend for me. Exploring objective, verifiable evidence to give us reasons to believe anything is essential. Yet many people are willing to live with an unrelenting uncertainty, to live with doubts about what they truly believe. These are the people who are the easiest to reach in the process of discovering truth. It's those who have made their mind up that are much more difficult to reach. However, when we present objective, verifiable evidence that actually reveals the Christian faith has more reasons to be embraced than any other religion, we can then reach those who have made their minds up. But be prepared for such people to be defensive, for what they believe. After all, it's not comfortable to become aware that what we have believed is unstable or unfounded. It's hard to admit when we're wrong. So I work to be sure people know I have the utmost respect for them. 
And I know they don't want to live their life on the basis of a lie. No one does. So being open to exploring evidence will help you discover confident truth. I understand it's unsettling to even examine what we believe because most of us were taught our belief system by people we highly esteem, such as our parents or a significant teacher or someone of that ilk. It could feel like an affront, uh, like we're not respecting them, even to reconsider what we believe, what they taught us. However, as I've said before, unless we examine what we believe and why we believe as we do, we can easily be deceived and unaware of our condition. After all, it's the nature of deception that the victim is unaware. I truly have a great respect for people, and it's from this respect and with the love of Jesus that I want to present facts to be considered. Oh, I know, for those who've made their mind up, the facts can really be annoying. <laughs> but with consideration that what we believe in this lifetime determines how we will spend our eternal life, it is exceedingly vital we examine what we believe. The first book in my multi-award winning Faith to Live By series is Examine Your Faith, Finding Truth in a World of Lies, endorsed by Josh McDowell and others, and it has great reviews. I mention it here because that single book provides rational thought and objective, verifiable evidence to support the Christian faith in contrast to all other religions. I wrote it to fortify Christians to have an even greater confidence in their faith and to help those who are not confident in what they believe to easily learn the distinct differences between the five major world religions and New Age, allowing them a chance to embrace truth. Part of the highly compelling evidence for the Christian faith is found in history and archaeology. Last week, I briefly shared how magnificent archaeological finds provide factual evidence of the historical reliability of the Bible and most dramatically confirmed as recent as the 20th century. These findings have consistently supported the historicity of the Bible. To repeat the statement from last week, it's safe to say that with every turn of the archaeologist's spade, the historicity and accuracy of the Bible is further confirmed. We can't say at this point in time archaeology has proven everything in the Bible, but it is accurate to say with the factual discoveries made through archaeology, the Bible has not been proven to be false or with error. In recent years, there's been a renewed interest in discovering factual evidence in support of the Exodus. The Exodus is an epic, miraculous event the Bible records, which, if not true, would completely obliterate the faith of both Jews and Christians. So the claims many archaeologists and historians have made, shedding doubt about the Exodus based on their research, must be examined. David Roll is an Egyptologist and author of Exodus, Myth or History. Even though he's an agnostic, after years of research, he concluded the Bible account of the Exodus was based on real historical personalities. We learn from Roll, for the past 200 years, scholars have been searching for the biblical stories in what podcaster Shane Rosenthal of White Horse, Inc. explains have been all the right places, but exploring the wrong time in history. Roll's archaeological research has led him to the conclusion that the Old Testament is not, in fact, a work of pious fiction but it is a genuine source of history. Timothy Mahoney of Thinking Man's Films is another individual who has been focused on finding the truth about the Exodus with his excellent series called Patterns of Evidence. They have created a most impressive DVD series and book series to show that simply by reconsidering the date of the Exodus, mounds of archaeological evidence provide support that the Exodus actually occurred. 
I'll have a link in the show notes for you to view his tremendous films. And also, make yourself a note, Tim will be my guest next week with part two of Exploring the Evidence on the topic of considering miracles. But specific to the Exodus, I had the pleasure of meeting Ryan Morrow of DoubtingThomasResearch.com. His research on the Exodus brought him to Saudi Arabia, where there seems to be a preponderance of evidence in support of the biblical account. I interviewed Ryan over an internet platform so I could share it with you. So now I want to introduce you to Ryan Morrow. He's the director of an intelligence network where he serves as an international security analyst. He is a regular commentator in the media and has worked as an adjunct professor teaching counterterrorism and extremism. He's also president of the Doubting Thomas Research Foundation, a nonprofit biblical research group that documents and presents archaeological evidence confirming biblical accounts. The proper name of the business is actually Doubting Thomas Research Foundation. I'll be providing you with his website and more information as we go further in the podcast. But I want to thank you so much for being part of the show here today, Ryan. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Now, before we go into what I want to ask about specific to archaeology and history, uh, can you tell me a little bit more about this international security analyst role? What is that? Sure. It's it's funny how God sets things up in your life. So my uh, initial uh, experience career-wise is all related to international security, um, counterterrorism, foreign policy, Middle East type stuff. Um, and that's what resulted in me getting a sizable media platform by going on Fox News Channel and these other media outlets uh, about that topic. Uh, but then once I got more involved in this topic of Mount Sinai and the Exodus story, uh, it all came together. Um, it, it takes advantage of my knowledge in the region and the media context that I had. And now this evidence that the Exodus really happened is getting attention that it's never gotten before. Right, right. I'm really excited for what you're doing and, and others are doing as well. So I know that your team got involved in researching the Exodus. And what I want to know what led you to specific research regarding the Exodus. You could, you could be researching other things. So why did you want to start with that? Well, I didn't grow up as a Christian. Um, and so once I started getting into Christianity and spirituality and I got my first Bible um, for kids, for youth, it actually said in there something to the effect of that there was no evidence yet found of the Exodus story. And it bothered me um, because at that point I believed in God. I, I felt I had had some sort of supernatural experience, couldn't quite explain it. But was the Bible necessarily true, especially after reading that? I wasn't so sure. Um, and so I started researching um, because I thought to myself, well, I'm sure other people have encountered this problem. I'm not just going to hear this and then make a decision off of it. Uh, and I came across this theory uh, that was pursued by a handful of other individuals who had gone into Saudi Arabia, been arrested, and claimed that there was this evidence of the Exodus story that sounded really stunning. But the only thing that had come out was pretty low quality, old pictures and videos, and the people were heavily criticized. Uh, but I became a, kind of obsessed with the theory um, until through a series of miraculous coincidences, I had an opportunity a few years to actually go to Saudi Arabia, see it for myself. And then, my goodness, it, it ended up all being true and, and more powerful than I even imagined. Well, and I know that's true because I know what you've done, but I want my audience to understand, can we actually follow the journey the Israelites took according to the information in the Bible? And where do you believe the Red Sea crossing actually took place? 
Sure. So the theory that uh, I've been pursuing, and you can see it in my film on YouTube that's gone viral called Finding the Mountain of Moses, if you type that into YouTube, you can follow the path that we think the Israelites took. And it really explains why you we hadn't found evidence before, because you were looking in the wrong spot. <laughs> Instead of just assuming the Bible is wrong, as a lot of the secular academics did, it just turned out you our interpretation was wrong. Um, but basically, uh, if you look at where the Red Sea crossing is most likely to have happened, the Bible describes it as a place called Yom Suf. And if you look at where else in the Bible describes Yom Suf being, it's clearly a body of water called the Gulf of Aqaba. Um, it's, you can say it's like part of the Red Sea, but it's between Egypt and Saudi Arabia. And there's a specific spot there that matches the biblical account with a large beach on the Egyptian side where the Israelites have been blocked in with a narrow path behind them. And then right at that spot, according to the maps of the terrain, if you were to part the waters, there's an actual walkable land path right at that beach that then ends up in Saudi Arabia. I mean, that, that's astonishing mm -hmm. to me. And there's been divers who have gone to the area that think, but we can't prove, uh, that they've seen what looks to be the remains of a possible Egyptian army, uh, where the co coral in the water wrapped around the debris of that army uh, and at least preserved its shape. Uh, and so more research needs to be done on that. Uh, but the terrain alone, I mean, that's just a remarkable yeah. uh, thing to learn about. Yeah. You know, in your film, you present possible candidates for Israelite campsites that the book of Exodus actually records being between the Red Sea crossing and Mount Sinai. Can you touch on this a little bit and tell us what you found in Saudi Arabia? Sure. So what's interesting about the Bible and, and separates it from like Greek myths is that's very specific in describing where they went. Um, so if you're going to put out a myth, you're not going to put in these details that can be falsified. Uh, so if you use the Bible like a map and you take it pretty literally, uh, then you can match a route. So going from where we think the Red Sea crossing happened, what do we come across if we follow the Bible's instructions very precisely? An area that would have been suitable for camping that has palm trees in northwestern Saudi Arabia, an odd thing to see, with 12 wells. Now, why is that significant? The Bible says that after the Red Sea crossing, Moses and the Israelites had a campsite at a place called Elam that had 70 palm trees, which would have populated over time, and 12 wells. That's a remarkable map. Absolutely. Absolutely. So in your film, you also present a mountain in northwest Saudi Arabia. And I can't even pronounce the name of it. I can read it, but I can't pronounce sure. it. to give that to us. But um, it, you think it's the most likely candidate to be actually Mount Sinai. What are some of the compelling pieces of evidence that this site uh, led you to actually believe that th this is where God and Moses met. What's so jaw-dropping about this is that there's historical accounts consistently saying that Mount Sinai is the biggest mountain, the tallest mountain outside of Midian or specifically a spot in Saudi Arabia called Al-Bad. And so we follow those pretty simple instructions and you come to this mountain called Jebel Makla, sometimes also referred to as Jebel El-Laws, and that's where you find this evidence of the Exodus story as if, as if you were filming a movie there. Um, and right before, shortly before you get to the mountain, um, what does the Bible tell us happened? What miracle happened before they arrive at the mountain? Well, we know that Moses brings the Israelites to an area called Rephidim, and there's a miracle where they're about to die of thirst, 
and he strikes a rock with his rod and water pours forth. The type of thing that me, especially years ago, would say, all right, well, that's that's like a Greek myth. But you follow this path. And amazingly, in this very desolate area with room for camping, there's this massive split rock with what looks like erosion where the rock is smooth under it and the ground below. Uh, so that's astonishing. And the local tradition, by the way, is that that's the split rock of Moses. So if this is wrong, where did that local tradition in Islamic Saudi Arabia come from? That came from somewhere. Um, and so that's the path that you go to end up at Jebel Makla. And then when you're there, there's several pieces of evidence that match the biblical account. Uh, we know about the golden calf worship that happened, according to the Exodus story. In front of the mountain, there's a pile of huge rocks with inscriptions of bull worship going on, which was always part of what you did when you worship bulls. You would they draw pictures and they'd be dancing around it. And that's what's seen in this pile of rocks that's there for no apparent reason. And then you go to the foot of the mountain. And what you find is what appears to be an altar of uncut stone. Now, what does the Bible tell us is at the foot of Mount Sinai? Moses built an altar of uncut stone for animal sacrifices. Incredible. Yeah, it's an incredible match. And there's evidence of actual burnt sacrifices in that altar. You can see where the animals were lined up. And then when it's been dug into in the past, they found ash and organic material, just the exact type of thing that you would find. The Bible also says that there was a brook coming down from the mountain. You go to this mountain, you see where the brook used to be. You know, this is very exciting. And I know you're not the only one who's been trying to investigate this to find the archaeology and the historicity of what the Bible claims. How has your work been substantiated? Well, a lot of the, the research for it can be done just by matching the biblical account. It actually doesn't require a ton, like scientific expertise. Um, and so the biggest gap that we had is that this information was out there, but there wasn't modern footage and there wasn't access to the sites. Uh, that's now changed because of the release of the film. And also there's been an amazing opening in Saudi Arabia that's happened where for the first time, they're actually allowing us to bring people to the sites and see it for themselves. Uh, I mean, that's the first time in history outsiders have been able to do that. Right, and uh, I, want so to, I want, excuse me, to interrupt you, I'm keeping an eye on the clock, but I want to touch on this. You actually conduct tours with another company allowing people to go see this archeological evidence for themselves. And if I'm not mistaken, if my program were to garner enough interest in your, your um, tours, then we could actually take advantage of going to Saudi Arabia with you and seeing these things for ourselves, right? Right, so if enough people, I think the number is around 20 or so of uh, people that follow your work want to go and express interest, we can arrange a trip like that. And very few outsiders have ever been to these sites. I mean. Last year when we went, uh, myself and jo my friend Joel Richardson, it was the first official Christian tour in Saudi history and the first official tour to what we think is Mount Sinai. So you'll be one of the very few people to walk where we believe Moses walked. It's Never so before in history. It's so exciting. So what I want my listeners to do is contact me by using this email address, faith to live by at PamelaChristianMinistries.com. That's an email address exclusive for my podcast. So I'll have it in my show notes if you didn't write it down, but email me at that address. We'll take a collection of people, no, nothing other than wanting to know about your interest in going on this tour. And then once we have enough people, we'll contact you again and see if we can actually make it happen. This is exciting, Ryan. 
I know I really hope that uh, I'm able to go with you and, and your fans who are who are interested in doing this because it, I mean people cry when they go they go on this trip and there's only been a few. I mean, Absolutely. how many people have actually gone and done this? It's in the number of dozens. It's not hundreds. Well, I know you've already mentioned where your film can be seen on YouTube, and I'll also have that information in my show notes. But I want to tell you thank you very much for the work that you're doing. I want to encourage anybody to go to your website, which uh, is Doubting Thomas Research Foundation, correct? Uh, DoubtingThomasResearch.com. Dot com. Okay. Go there, learn more. And if you're inclined, help fund this organization that's doing compelling work to give us more reasons to believe. Thanks, Ryan, so much for being with me. Thank you so much for having me. At the time of recording my interview with Ryan, we thought the best way to collect names of people to potentially go on the tour was to email me. But since then, we've created a page on Ryan's website where you can enter your name and email. You're not committing to anything. You're just expressing interest and leaving your contact detail. So when we have enough people who've expressed interest, we can email you to see if you're still interested in attending. Simply use the link, doubtingthomasresearch.com, Faith to Live by Tours to Sinai. I have that link for you in the show notes. Ryan has assured me they will not use your contact detail for any other purpose, neither will they share it. What you've heard today is just a small example of the continual increase of evidence in support of the Bible and the history of God intervening with his people. This kind of hard evidence is highly compelling, even while it's still being more fully substantiated. For those of us who believe the Bible is the inspired word of God, as we explored last week, and that the Bible is provided for us to come to a personal knowledge of God, evidence in support of the Exodus provides us over-the-top hope for God working in our lives today. God reveals himself in the Bible and reveals he is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. The powerful and faithful ways God has dealt with his people in the past are how we can expect him to deal with us today. I often regret that my podcasts must be pre-recorded because I cannot know what current events will be occurring at the time the program broadcasts. But I have confidence in God who does know the future to inspire me as I develop the podcasts so the messages are indeed supported by events he is orchestrating at the time you listen to this program. God is always at work in the lives of his people. And these last few months of 2020, we've been expecting to see God tremendously at work in our midst. Stop and ponder the entire story of the Exodus, which you can read about in the book of Exodus in the Bible. Moses is a type of the deliverer or redeemer God promised the first man Adam and the first woman Eve, who represent the whole of humanity. God has always been at work in the lives of his people to redeem us from the oppressive work of the enemy, and today is no different. God wants us to be set free and to live in the promised land. Use your spiritual eyes and seek the instruction of the Holy Spirit to accurately see what is taking place in the world today from heaven's perspective. If you get an aha moment, let me know. I'd love to hear how my ministry work is blessing you. I invite you to explore the resource materials I provide in my show notes. And don't forget, if you would like to know more about touring with my guest, Ryan Morrow, to see the sites he's talked about, simply use the contact information in the show notes. Again, all you're doing is expressing interest. There is no commitment or anything. Once we have enough interest, we'll recontact you with specific details, and then you can decide if you want to be part of the tour. Next week, I want to continue exploring evidence with emphasis on miracles. 
Can We Prove Different Miracles Recorded in the Old Testament? Listen next week to learn more. At this time, I want to thank my sponsors, Virtual Shield, that provides you with internet privacy, allowing you to browse the internet without being visible to the marketing traps that will populate and interrupt your future browsing experiences. If you use the link I provide in the show notes, you'll be able to take advantage of a special trial period and subscribing price. Please visit their site to learn more, knowing it's a sponsor I bring you to help you with the services you need and allows you to help support me by availing of their services. I also want to thank Movi, a wonderful monitoring service that helps parents protect their children from predators and other internet invasions. My listeners have been extended a special 30-day trial not available to the general public. Just click on the link in the show notes to learn more. And again, when you avail of their services, you support me and the podcast ministry work I do. And as you look ahead to Christmas gifts for the little ones in your life, consider Leanne Mancini's beautiful Christian book series called The Adventures of the Sea Kids. She developed this series to help teach children eight and younger how to live the Christian life. When raising her own children, she realized children's books mostly retold the stories of the Bible without actually working to impact the children's character. So you'll love this beautifully illustrated, award-winning book series. The link will be in the show notes. Faith to Live By is a division of Pamela Christian Ministries, LLC, a ministry offering many different goods and services. I invite you to visit my main website, PamelaChristianMinistries.com. By the way, I list all of my sponsors, free resources, and bonus items on Charisma Podcast Network and on my website, faithtoliveby.com. On that landing page, there's a link and more information about my sponsors and partners. Instead of asking you to support my ministry by giving direct, I ask you to avail of the goods and services from my sponsors and partners. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps the show reach more people, spread the gospel, and helps people learn how to best apply their Christian faith. Be sure to follow me on Facebook at Faith to Live By TV, on Twitter at plchristian.com, and on LinkedIn at Pamela Christian. Now, about my Christmas giveaway. From now until December 16, you can enter for a chance to win one of my special Christmas giveaways. To enter, email me at Faith to Live By at Pamela Christian Ministries with the word Christmas in the subject line. Also make sure you have your name and your ground mail address provided in the body of the email. I will be awarding a signed copy of my newly revised book, Examine Your Faith, Finding Truth in a World of Lies. That will be for two winners. And five other winners will be awarded the grand prize of the new Abide Bible from Thomas Nelson. This is a beautiful Bible designed to help you really engage your life with the scriptures and experience the transforming power of God's word. Want a second chance to be a winner? Subscribe to my bi-monthly e-newsletter. Joining any time between November 1st to December 16th, you'll double your chances. Just visit my website, faithtoliveby.com, and use the subscription box in the sidebar. New subscribers between November 1st to December 16th. If your name is drawn as a winner, you'll be contacted to get your ground mail address and send you your prize. Contest entries are accepted only through December 16th, with gifts awarded December 23rd, 2020. Don't delay. Get your name in the drawing today. And lastly, visit my page for the show at faithtoliveby.com to enjoy all of the podcasts we've produced so far. I hope you'll join me next week and tell your friends and family to listen right here on Faith to Live By, where we learn how to gain spiritual victory over life's issues. Until next week, 
I'm Pam Christian, asking you to always remember, Christ died for us. The least we can do is live for Him.